Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by my co-host, Brie Tucker. Why, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? Bree and I are freezing today in the 65 degree weather here in Arizona. They promised me it would be upper 70s. It's so funny because I was teasing her this morning. I'm like, Bree, you came in the office yesterday complaining about how it was going to be hot. And then today it's like, it's cold. Why isn't it hot? I know. I'm just never happy. I, I am just, you know, I need to be back to the Midwest where if you don't like the weather just wait it'll change in five minutes out here it's like pretty much either hot or cold hot mean, or cold meanwhile all the midwesterners are like ready to slap us through their uh wherever they're listening they're like 65 really really lady complaining about that you people should see me I, I have a sweater on and a sweater over the sweater and i have my socks and my long pants like this is like as heavy as, as it gets but on the flip side though yeah. like recently we were supposed to go up to a cabin in northern Arizona for a weekend, and I was just worried that it would be way too cold. I don't have a winter coat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everything other than jackets. The winter coat, the winter coat. I had to go to REI to find a winter coat because that's the only place you can find winter clothing in Arizona. Yeah, sounds about right. The, the yeah, our store. Targets, Walmarts, we do not sell no. coats here. No. And if we do, it's for like a hot second, like two weeks. I remember going into a Walmart in Minnesota, and I'm like, what is this? It's like a whole section like I've never seen before <laughs> because it's like, it's all winter wear. <laughs> I'm like, this is oh weird. Gosh. Oh my gosh, I believe that. I so believe that. It's funny. So today we have, um, she's part of the Two Timers Club, which whoop, whoop. which we need to rename, but I kind of also don't want to rename because I know, right? It's, it's kind fun. of a thing now. It's, kind of, it's, it's a thing now, the Two Timers Club. We need to get them like jacket. Two Timers Club. They need a jacket. But uh, Dr. Lisa Bravo, she has, uh, she's written a new book called The Bravo Effect. uh, And oh my gosh, Brie and I both read it. Hands down. Love it. Love it. Love Love it. it. I'm going to be buying it and sending it to some of my friends. It is compulsively readable because it's like one of those books like you just start reading. You're like, yes, 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 (laughs) yes. And it feels like she's talking to you. And I and Mm -hmm. I love her straight talk like right from the get go. She's like, it's going to if you have a challenging teen, Mm -hmm. this is going to be hard. Yeah. If you think that this is going to be easy, put down this book. It's not for you. Yeah. And and I love it because that's the truth. It, it is hard. And just a heads up, uh, there is a little bit of language in this episode. So if you're listening, just listen with those headphones around your kiddos. But uh, Lisa Bravo, she is aka the Teen Whisperer. She's a highly acclaimed psychotherapist, speaker, author, and teacher. She holds a doctoral degree in behavioral health from Arizona State University. Woo! Go Devils! <laughs> And maintains a thriving practice in Scottsdale, Arizona, as an expert in family dynamics and adolescent behavior. And when she's not providing counseling to families, Dr. Bravo spends her time training the next generation of counselors, most recently through the graduate counseling program at Arizona State. (laughs) She, I got both of my degrees, my bachelor's and my master's, so Arizona State. Uh, She's a regular consultant to various media and news outlets, academic institutions, and behavioral health organizations across the country. And we hope you enjoy our conversation with Dr. Lisa Bravo. So let's talk dinner time for a little bit because, Brie, out of everything, like dinner stresses me out because I'm hangry, first of all, and then my kids never want to eat anything that I suggest. Sounds like my house. Yeah. So something that helped us out with this is eat at home meal plans, where it's so easy. You get a new meal plan every single week. You actually get four new meal plans that you can choose from every single week as a grocery list. All of the recipes are super simple. Kids love them. My kids love them. Like they request the chicken curry like all the time. And uh, with the grocery list, since my husband doesn't grocery shopping in our house, I just gave him the grocery list and he 
gets all the stuff for the week. So if you want to get rid of that dinner stress and if you hate meal planning as much as I do, you need to get eat at home meal plans and you can sign up at noguiltmom.com backslash eat dash at dash home. And you can also get 25% off when you use the discount code noguiltmom, all one word. And let's get on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, Lisa. You're part of our... Okay, so we have to redo this name, but we call it the Two Timers Club. Yeah, uh-huh. obviously why it needs to be redone. But uh, you, I you am not a pod, I'm not a podcast virgin. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> yes, yes. You are part of our... We, we called it the Second, Second Timers, Timers Club. Club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome. So for those of our audience who don't know you, can you tell them a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. I am a doctor of behavioral health, and I've been working in the Phoenix area in private practice for two decades. <laughs> Make me sound old, but it's true. I've also been a teacher and trainer for many years of other therapists, and I am really a solution-focused therapist at heart and a family systems therapist. So a lot of my work has to do with working with families, but I also specialize in working with teenagers. My background is in substance dependency and counseling, and also I'm a licensed professional counselor. And you are coming out with a new book called The Bravo Effect, which both Brie and I have read. And we were saying before this podcast interview, we're like, we're going to get very, very like passionate about it because we, Mm -hmm. we loved it so much. Can you tell us a little bit about the book and like why you decided to write it? Sure. Having doing counseling, I've been doing counseling in my office in this, you know, kind of in private practice is a very isolated sort of thing. You're not with a bunch of other therapists. And um, I've seen many families over the years, primarily with teenagers that they're struggling with. And I've developed sort of this framework for parents that I think is really simple in terms of what it looks like, but it's also really sort of challenging to implement when things are in crisis. Most of the families that I meet with are in crisis when they come to see me. I'm sort of the last resort. They've already been through seven therapists or, you know, they've been down the road already. So when I get them, uh, they're in crisis, which in my opinion is the best place they can be because crisis is such a fertile ground for change to happen because parents are motivated, teens are motivated. And I just, I love that dynamic. There's so much juicy dynamic to work with, with families when they're in the throes of it. But what I also found is I can only see one family at a time. And I really wanted my reach to be wider. I wanted families to be able to get this information and parents to get this information in the midst of everything that is going on for them. Um, I also, as you know, there's a lot of talk about the stigma around therapy. Many parents, when things aren't going well, 
are very resistant to talking to a therapist because somehow that equals failure or somehow that equals the principal's office for them. And what I want to do is kind of remove that resistance and give them the information so that they can get back on track as quickly as possible. I think that is just so wonderful. You are 100% right. I I have um, in my family, we've dealt with depression and anxiety and uh, we've had our struggles both like I've seen it with my sisters growing up when uh, when we were teens and then you know experiencing some of it myself as a parent of a teen right now it's really hard to get over that hump and sometimes it's even the kids right trying to get over that hump of going in mm-hmm. and talking to somebody and, right. and the book just it's very practical it's easy to read and mm-hmm. it just it really it speaks to you as a parent of a teen. It really, really does. It does. And like building more on that whole therapy stigma. I mean, mm-hmm. I was raised in a family where it's like, you don't go to therapy, you talk to your family members. And you're right. like, mm-hmm. I can't talk to my family members when it's like the problems I'm having is right. like about the right. family dynamic. Right. Um, right. So uh-huh. I love, I love that you wrote a book about it. Well, and I think that parents also, or that kids want to be understood. And I l- often tell parents that, this is really, you know, my job. And I tell teens this, my job is to sort of be the conduit between you and your parents, because for some reason, you're not understanding or hearing each other, because there's so much emotion flying around. So I kind of try to calm that down and really help teens understand, like, first, they have to take responsibility for all that, you know, sparks that are flying, but also, let's make sure that they really hear what you're saying because what you have to say is so important and getting them to that place where they can actually hear what the other person is saying. Definitely. And you said, you mentioned something about teens being in crisis. Like, can Mm -hmm. you give us some examples of teens like that you've seen in crisis? I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day and it makes me feel energized even like i still add the coffee on there because i like it a lot ag1 tastes really good too and i enjoy my glass every single morning ag1 is a supplement i trust to provide the support my body needs daily and that's why i'm excited to welcome them as a new partner if you want to take ownership of your health it starts with ag1 Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, 
out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, I would define crisis or even extreme behavior as anything that's out of the norm for what's developmentally appropriate. So I think we read so much about, you know, teenagers and how, you know, moody and dreary they can be. And that's true because developmentally, they're going through a very important time in their lives. Their brains are growing. They're defining who they are as their own person, not as somebody's child anymore. Um, they're gaining the autonomy and in- independence that's normal at this developmental stage. So all of those things are kind of what we call typical development. Outside of that realm of typical development, we have, you know, risk-taking behaviors um, such as self-harm or, you know, drinking, experimenting with drugs and alcohol. Now, that can be considered normal in some fashion in later adolescence, but if it's to the point where it's causing harm to that child or it's causing harm to the family members, it's changing that teenager's sort of their their mental well-being, then that's what's outside of the norm. And crisis can also be, you know, families in crisis. It can be parents who are on the cusp of divorce and, you know, having to go through all that turmoil um, that can also often exacerbate rebellious behavior because teenagers are just trying to communicate. And I believe that all behavior is communication with teenagers. So they're not always going to say it with their words, what they need or want, because they don't always understand it cognitively, but they will definitely speak to us about their emotions through their behavior. Like all behavior is communication. I, mm-hmm. I think that's so true. And I think mm-hmm. it also gives parents a lot more empathy when dealing with a teenager to know that, you know, they're not being disrespectful or they're not like meaning to do this. They're just trying to communicate their feelings and they don't know how. And, you know, something that you brought up in your book that's interesting is that especially when they're, and, and let me kind of back this up, like in your book, you, you separate the different aspects of the teenage life. Like the, I, I forget the names you gave for each age mm-hmm. group. Mm-hmm. I just remember porcupine. <laughs> like <laughs> the porcupine stage. Yeah. yeah so, so there's mm-hmm. all these different stages and you mm-hmm. see different development during those stages. And that a lot of times as parents, we reflect back and we're like, oh, I remember what it was like to be like that. Mm-hmm. So right. we overgeneralize and assume we know what our kids are going through. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of resonates with what you just said a moment ago about how we really need to listen to what our kids are saying. Because I know that I love my kids dearly, but with my daughter right now, like sometimes she's, she's 12 going on 16, I swear. Right. And Mm -hmm. uh, we don't always have the best communication because she'll try to tell me something and I'll say to her, Oh, I get it. I know Mm -hmm. what I I know what it's like. And I don't even realize Mm -hmm. that I'm sometimes negating what mm-hmm. she's trying to say, because I automatically assume I understand. So right, right. That, that's a really great point for us to remember. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think um, just to piggyback onto that, Brie, I think I know your teachers, right? Your background is teachers. And I think parents are teachers in a certain way. We mm-hmm. are our children's first teachers. And 
during adolescence, there is this point where we have to give up our job as teachers and be collaborators. That's a really hard transition for parents, I found, more than it is for the kids. The kids don't want everything to be a lesson anymore. When, right. you, know, when you don't hang the moon for them anymore when they turn 12, right? So at that point, you have to really understand that they need your role with them to be a collaborator mm-hmm. instead of a teacher. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard transition for parents to make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't need me all the time anymore. <laughs> See, I celebrate that. I am so mm-hmm. excited for this not needing me. I'm like, I'm I'm ready to go into this collaborator. You know, stage. it's funny. We had this yeah. conversation. We so, did. Like, so you you just mentioned that about our background in education. Mine is an early childhood. Okay. So zero to five, I got that down. Right. And that's right. where, right? I am more of a teacher. I'm more needed. Right. I'm, ha- I'm happy. And they and follow willing. you around like baby ducks at that age. Right? And I'm <laughs> able to handle that. No problem. Right. But I got to tell you, and you've known, you've known me for so long, Joanne, yeah. you know that like, as soon as my kids hit about fifth grade, I started struggling. <sighs> and that's where you are shining. Because <laughs> I, I was a middle grade teacher in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So I'm all about like the stepping back and assisting when needed and watching. I'm all, I know, I know yeah. what I want them to do. Yeah. I know where I want them to end mm-hmm. being, being strong, resilient, right. capable individuals. I'm just struggling with getting to that path right mm-hmm. now. And like you say in your book, like it's hard at this age. It really, well, really and it's uncharted water. You know, you might know how to swim in a, in a pool, but that doesn't mean you can swim in the ocean. So I think that's part of it True. is understanding that even though, you know, you know, your child, you know how to parent, you're moving into this uncharted territory. And Lots of times what we do is we default to how we were parented. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't really implemented any um, skill-based kind of parenting programs or done any kind of work in that area, I think we default to how we were parented. So if you come from any sort of dysfunction, you're going to tend to replicate that. Whether you want to or not, that's just what we do. It's really easy to parent kids who are open and happy and engaged it's a lot harder to parent kids who are disengaged and disenchanted and angry. That's when it gets really, we really test the waters of who we are. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Something that you said in your book, which I found really interesting, is that parents can act with this undercurrent of fear that a teenager mm-hmm. picks up on. And then that teenager mm-hmm. starts getting defensive. Can you like tell us a little bit, like, how does that play out? Well, I think, you know, fear is a huge piece because I think when parents are in a place of fear, you know, what happens is we go into how are we going to control the situation? Because we're afraid. Anytime we're in fear, we're also in a, a space of needing to control. So we're needing to control the behavior. We're needing to control the attitude. We're needing to control. We're embarrassed because of how they just talked to us in front of grandma and grandpa. Whatever those things are, we are trying to control. And fear influences how we parent. So if we're in a place of fear, we tend to have a more sort of punitive framework. Either they freeze or they overshoot, right? So there's, it tends to get out of balance. And so what I, in that dynamic that happens when the parent's in a place of fear is because uh, teenagers are really more invested in how they feel about you about their relationship, they don't really spend a whole lot of time with the words. The words are secondary to how they feel. So you can be in the face, you can be calm, you can say what you need, but if you are seething inside, they will respond to the seething inside and not what you're saying. 
That is so true. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. They're really, it's that energetic dynamic that they're focused on more than anything else. So I think if parents can get really clear about kind of where we are in that dynamic, what happens with kids also is when we're in a place of fear, let's say they've, they've, you know, there's been some big event and they're in trouble and we're sitting down with them. We're trying to have the talk, right? What happens is we're trying to be calm, but we're really upset. We're really unraveling inside. We're really angry. Whatever's going on for us emotionally, if we haven't dealt with that before we sit down with our teen, that is all going to be part in the mix of what happens. And that's the undercurrent that happens. I can't tell you how many times I've been in my office working through something with a family and I'll have a teenager point blank. The parent will be trying to be calm and saying all the right things. And they'll say, oh, you don't mean that. You're so mad at me right now. I know you're so mad. And the parent's like, no, I'm not. I'm not yelling. See, I'm not mad. <laughs> but inside there, you can feel the energy and the tension. And so it's really important to know that that's sort of what happens when there's a lot of crisis and chaos in a family system with a teenager who's been really rebellious. And there's been a lot of things going on in that family. What happens sometimes is they almost get addicted to the rush of that tension, even though they don't understand what's have it happening cognitively, it becomes like they feel the most connected. They feel like you're the most available to them when they are falling apart. And what happens is it creates this pattern for kids where they, they feel the most loved when they are the most, the most discombobulated, when they're the most out of touch, when they're the most out of their behaviors, the most out of control. And so it creates this really um, strong and reinforced because we're, we're trying, right? Our child just came in at three o'clock in the morning and may have been drinking. And now we're out of our beds and we're waiting for him and we're going to talk to him and we are available, right? And what happens with mm -hmm. teenagers who don't feel connected is they start to form the conclusion that that's when they get the most from us. And so that, that dynamic mm. can be really dangerous because if we are only available when they're falling apart in their minds, and this is really from their perspective, Okay, because most parents will say, oh, no, I talk to him, I tell him to have a good day. He doesn't, you know, but what ha it's not, it's not about the words we say, it's about how we connect with them energetically, that matters. And so if they feel the most connected emotionally to us, and the most focused on in those moments, that's what they're going to go for emotionally. It's not a cognitive decision. Remember, their brains are still growing. So their brains, we can't rely on their brains at this point. So what when it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. 
If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm hearing is that parents, if they have this fear, they really need to deal with that fear before confronting their kids. But like, how as a parent do you deal with that fear? Well, I think... I think it's really helpful if you're in a partnership, right? So if you have somebody to to bounce things off of with your spouse or your partner or in a co-parenting kind of situation, but if it's just you, I talk in the mirror a lot. <laughs> I mean, part of it is I have to know where I am. If I am a hot mess and I try to manage my teenager who is out of control, that is the most terrifying feeling in the world. I was a rebellious teenager. I had a lot of experiences when I was young with misbehavior. And I will tell you, when I'm out, when I was out of control and I was afraid because I crossed all these lines and I'm not really sure what to do now, and I bit off more than I could chew and all of those things, and I looked to a parent for some sort of guidance and nurturing, and they're terrified too, and they're out of control, that is not a good scenario. So it's super important that we take time away, we get centered, maybe you journal. I don't know if we're allowed to swear on this podcast, but I highly recommend that parents get a bucket bucket, which I call a bucket bucket is a journal where you just empty your brain out and say everything you wanted to say that you really isn't going to be beneficial for your child to hear and just unload it. And then clear your brain and reset yourself, like rebooting your computer And go out there and try to be as connected and nurturing and loving as you can. I love that idea about the journal. I go on mad walks. (laughs) I'll go walk my dog and I'll be like Mm -hmm. muttering to myself and getting so mad and saying like all the things I want to say. And I might look like a crazy woman. Okay. So I haven't haven't tried that journaling, but I'm going to tell you, I have the perfect journal and it happened to Uh have been a gift from Joanne and it's called for Fox. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Right. Solid in uh-huh. for fuck's sake. That was three years ago. You haven't used that journal. <laughs> she didn't know what to do <laughs> with it. Right? I still have it. It's on my <laughs> bookshelf in my bedroom. I see it every day. I'm just giving you and a I, time. And I think <laughs> I need to start writing. But no, I love that idea because you're right. There's so many things you want to say that you're like, I'm not going right. to say that. And because I know that's not going to be helpful in this situation. So yeah, I, I love the idea of just being able to just right. jump it. Well, it and out. the other thing is, you know, just... Also, you know, we expect and require so much from our 
teens in the sort of in the guise of um, respect, right? We want them to respect us. That's disrespectful. We say that so often to teenagers. And really, it's very confusing for them because we usually say it with <laughs> with our own venom because we're angry and we are, you will respect me when we're being the most disrespectful to them that, and we don't even see our behavior. So the way that teenagers often download that is sort of like that do as I say, not as I do. And that's where the rebellion happens. Mm -hmm. That's where they feel resentful. Right. I have to be calm and I have to speak in a way that, that you expect me to, but you don't have to do that for me. It's confusing for them. And it also creates resentment. Right. Definitely. So I hear journaling, talking mm -hmm. in the mirror, great things for mm -hmm. like self-care. You also dig into a little bit more about how adults really need to take the self-care. What are like some other things adults can do? Right. So I think that what I just described is crisis management. Okay. okay. So before you jump in the flames, you're going to put your turnout gear on, right? That's your turnout gear, right? But self-care is a practice. Mm -hmm. It's an everyday practice and it's kind of a philosophical way of looking at your day. And it as parents, and especially as mothers, we tend to not allow ourselves to take care of ourselves. We tend to want to serve everybody first, and then we eat the cold plate yep. of food, right? While we're cleaning the kitchen. Yep. And so what is super important, especially when you have an extreme teenager who's who's going through turmoil, is that you get in the practice of like ha creating a, almost a ritual of self-care every single day that could include, you know, getting up before everybody else and, you know, watching the sunrise and drinking your cup of tea, reading your paper, whatever that those things are that get you grounded and centered. Um, that could be making sure that you take time for yourself every evening away from your children, go take your walk with the dog or, you know, take a hot bath, but really have almost like nurture yourself in the way that you're going to need to. And this is, this is really like, it's like training for a triathlon only from an emotional standpoint. It's like, you can't just do a triathlon. You have to train and you have to learn all these skills. And while you're doing this self-care, it's so important to not negotiate with yourself. You know, if part of your self-care is exercise, that's something that's really important for me I'm not going to be the best parent that I can be if I don't do those things, mm. if I don't exercise every day, if I don't take time for myself. In fact, it's also a really great way to model for your teenagers how they can instill self-care in their practice and their routine and how they can set boundaries. You know, some parents feel so guilty the no guilt mom, right? Mm -hmm. No, some parents feel so guilty about taking that time for themselves because their kids, they, they need to be doing something with their children. But what I found is if I say, especially when my kids were younger, if I said, you know what, I'm just going to go and I'm going to take some time for myself because I'm feeling really prickly and I don't want to say anything or do anything that might be harmful to you. And I go off by myself and I come back a better version of me and I'm more grounded and I'm more engaged with them and I'm more invested in spending time with them, they are so much happier mm -hmm. and they start to learn that it's okay to take time for yourself. That's what we teach them. Yeah, I totally 
agree because like now that my daughter is getting into like the age where she's she's a super achiever and she sees me be a super achiever but as much as I tell her to relax she's like mom you don't relax I'm like you're right. totally right <laughs> while there. you're doing seven things you tell her to relax. yeah I know <laughs> I don't so uh that's Teen- definitely a good reminder I think that's interesting I think that teens are very telling it like it is. Mm-hmm. It's almost like going back to toddlerhood, but with a better vocabulary and better reasoning. Because, and again, you talk about that in your book, how you have to be careful mm-hmm. because they will reason the the bejeejees out of whatever you're saying, get uh-huh. what they want. They will. Right. They will point out yeah. every They're loophole. Very good negotiators. Yeah, they will point out <laughs> every loophole you ever mm-hmm. accidentally left sitting out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Where do people find your book? Well, we are launching um, April 6th. So it will be available on Amazon. And um, you can also go to my website, thebravoeffect.com, and um, find it there. Leading up, I don't know all the details because I have um, a team of wonderful people helping me figure out the marketing end of all this. But there's going to be giveaways. There's going to be discounts. Um, I really am hoping that if you're interested in what you're hearing right now, that your audience is interested, that they go ahead and get the book on April 6th. Great. We will well, make sure we have a link in the show notes for that. It gets five stars from Brie yes. and me. So yes. definitely go out, get the book. Thank you so much for joining us again. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. This was fun. So I always love talking with Dr. Bravo because she gets it and she gets how important connection is with kids. Right. And that's one thing I think we hear from every expert we've talked to. That same message comes through no matter who we've spoken to about connection with your kids. Connection. And then also trusting your instincts as a parent, because I like how she mentioned that, you know, some parental instincts, like they're so off because we've been conditioned to seek out expert guidance and expert advice that we've stopped listening to what we feel is right and appropriate. That's very, very true. Like I just, I, I do feel like we often think that we don't know what's best mm-hmm. when a lot of times we actually are and going in the right direction. Yeah, or we second guess ourselves as parents. Mm, like yes. if we think we we're gonna do something this way, and they're like, oh no, like what would what would my mom say about that, or what would like that mom at preschool who's like up in everyone's business say about that, oh, or like the mom know? judgment, the mommy wars. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. But so trust in yourself and. And uh, we hope you enjoyed Dr. Bravo and go get her book. The Bravo Effect. Yes, yes. In stores now. Yes. And authors love it if you leave reviews, especially five-star reviews. So just putting that out there for Dr. Bravo. Go leave a five-star review for her uh, once you read it. Uh, she's amazing. So until next time, remember, the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. 
Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. 